and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda or absolutely nothing in the fridge. I do not have a drink and that is totally fine. It is a Tuesday afternoon and I've already had a coffee and I'm trying to keep things relaxed. For those of you out there in the internet land that are tired of hearing me talk about myself and my drinking habits, I am sitting here today with the one and only Chris Fafalius. Make some noise for the internet. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, man. I feel bad that you don't have drinks. I got a I got a fridge full of Trulies and Stellas and some peanut butter whiskey. I can uh, hook dude, you up, man. I totally. Well, I also have a fridge full of drinks. I feel like I should make that clear. I've just been so caught up today that I haven't thought to go and get myself anything, but that's all gotcha. right. Like gotcha. I said, I had my coffee. I did a bunch of work I didn't mean to do. Living in these times is a little unpredictable and all over the place. You kind of just got to roll with the punches. Absolutely, man. Look at me. I'm sitting on the floor holding a mic up. You know, I, you, never know, you don't know what you're going to get into during, during these wild times. Yeah. You know, what's really funny is like uh, we were talking before we started recording how you're having issues with the iMac, how it's like tilted down, which is causing yes. you to sit on the floor <laughs> and you have to, I guess, hold up this microphone. But it's like you have like a sure SM7B, which is like a good microphone and a good computer. But just like yeah. the little things are kind of like, well, can't have it all, I guess. Who is who in the world knows how to fix that thing so you can tilt your iMac? I, if somebody out there could do that, please hit me up because <laughs> uh, I, I I work on my computer for like twelve hours a day and it's always tilted slightly <laughs> this way. So yeah. at the end of the day, I got a little bit of a bang over, you know. So whatever. These it's are fine. like our adult first world punk problems. Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. I'm sure we have a lot of the same. We seem to have a lot of the same interests. I'm sure we have a lot of the same issues, too. Yes, and, it's it's very, very likely. So for those of you that do not know Chris, Chris is a, a musician, a music guy in the world of music. And you have quite a uh, resume, a track record of things you have done. So I don't know what you would like to talk about and not talk about. So how about you introduce yourself to the people that don't know you? I'll talk about all of it. Uh, <laughs> well, most notably for the past couple decades, I play in the band Punchline, uh, founding member of that band. And, you know, we've released a lot of albums. We've toured a lot. We've done a lot of cool stuff. That has been like my, I don't know, my defining thing about me, I guess you would say, sure. is the fact that I'm in the band Punchline. Um, but I love making music in general. I play in two other bands, one band called Pack. We've played a, we've played a show together. We certainly have. And uh, I played another band called Another Cheetah. Uh, both fun, cool bands, um, you know, that are relatively newer bands. Um, other than that, I... I do a podcast called One Hit Thunder that is a podcast about one hit wonders. I host that one and I produce a podcast called Chris Demakes a podcast. Uh, Chris Demakes is the lead singer of Less Than Jake and it's a songwriting podcast in which, you know, 
guys from cool bands come on, not just guys and women, and, <laughs> and come on and discuss defining songs from their career. We've had a lot of cool guests uh, on that. And, you know, I do that and I do a lot of other things too. I, I like to do creative things. That's where I feel you and I, you know, I've always seen the things you're posting. I'm like, we're, we're like two birds of a feather, man. I feel like we're always creating things and trying to put out content into the world. And uh, I feel like we have that common bond. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, I'm one of these people where I wish that all of the technology and things that we have now, I wish I had it two decades ago. Cause I feel like I would have really been like able to hit the ground running, but like I always had so many ideas and things I wanted to do that has like caused me to get into all of the bullshit that I'm into these days. But it was like, it took me so long to get to it. And now I think that's probably the main reason why I still do all of this is because like, I'm just now in like over the past five years, like, Oh, now I have like, cool cameras and like, okay, microphones, and I could do these podcasts and now I can film my own videos and I can, you know, record all my own music, which I've been doing for longer than five years, but I can just do all these things. I have all this stuff and I have all this time because now like, I don't know, I'm an adult or whatever. And I don't have like uh, a kids or anything that's like that, which I don't know. Uh, it's just, I have nothing else better to do. The creativity is well, my baby, I suppose. Yeah, man, me too. And the thing is about it that, Sure, everybody in the world can have an iMac and they can have an interface and they can have cameras. But if you don't use those things, like pretty much everyone I know has those things, but it's having the drive and the ideas to use those things and make those things. I like how you just make videos sometimes it's you're talking about an album you like and why you like it. And you're you're putting this into the world. And it's great. And if I know the album, I'm usually watching it. If I don't know the album, maybe I'll skip it. Well, I'll tell <laughs> I, you but, this. But I make those videos because people don't know about albums. Yeah, so the ones that you don't know, you should watch. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's like, <laughs> I, want, I want to be able to relate to it. I get I it. Yeah, to totally. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I think that's awesome, man. I think that that's awesome that you're always creating and putting stuff out there. And it's funny, just a few days ago, I was filming a music video uh, um, with my band pack. And the one, it was funny. There was, everybody was talking about you. People were talking about you because uh, the one uh, guy who was running camera, Fernando, I guess he was on your yeah. pod. He left to go be on your podcast, then came Oh, back. that was you guys. Uh, he was shooting yeah. the video for That's so funny. <laughs> and and then, there, then, it, then it was it turned into a big conversation between a bunch of people that I just met about what a cool guy you are. And then <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm going to be on his podcast on Wednesday. <laughs> so, man, you're just bringing people together, man. That's I'm so funny. That's you. awesome. I'm glad. I, You know, I whenever he had left and he said he was working on a video, I didn't think to ask who it was. I probably should have. Yeah. But yeah, that yeah. episode just came out yesterday, actually. Nice. And I realized earlier, I think I may have said it was Tuesday. It is Wednesday, isn't it? It's it is not Wednesday, Tuesday. man. <laughs> I get it. I get it, man. I get it. I'm right there with you. <laughs> it's just like it's all... It's all coming together. So, you yeah. know, rewinding back in time, we can just kind of maybe start this conversation well, pre-punchline. <laughs> pre-punchline. What what is what is a young Chris doing with himself pre-punchline? Oh man, pre-punchline, I loved hockey. Okay. <laughs> I loved hockey a lot. But I also I, I really loved music even before punchline. I got exposed to punk rock around 
12, 13 years old. And I just loved everything on Fat Records and Epitaph and Lookout. And 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 I really, really got into ska music. Okay. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was an impressionable teen when ska really hit. And I'm glad <laughs> for that because I'm a bassist. And um, because ska just has the most badass bass lines, it made me want to learn how to play them. And I think that had ska not hit when i was young that maybe i wouldn't be as good at bass because i would have just been playing root notes and things and not trying to play more complex bass lines i think that made me a better bass player and then you know it's funny because then that led to uh for some reason over the years punchline has toured with every ska band punchline has toured with less than jake real big fish catch 22 uh big d uh just ever for some reason we've toured with every ska band even though we're not a ska band but basically i guess the gist of it was i was a weird awkward uh teen that was into music and hockey that was that was pretty much me cool now whenever punchline got together was there any other bands that you had been playing in prior to that or was that kind of like the first one that you guys put together that you just started pushing on it you know what's crazy man i'm still in the first band that i was ever in <laughs> i'm still in the same band which is really cool and one way the, the way it's really cool is longevity and like sticking with something for that long yeah the, ba- the bad part of it is if anyone hears of our band and happens to accidentally come across something from Punchline from like 1999 or something. And sure. be like, this band sucks. Was, <laughs> but we try to get that off the internet for the most part. But yeah, that, that could what, be the downside. <laughs> was the name always Punchline too? Yeah, man. Wow. I've been in Punchline since... Punchline was my first real band and, and, and I'm still in it. <laughs> That's... I want to I want to give you guys credit for having a really good band name as like the first band name. You think it's good? Sometimes I think Punchline's a great band name. Thanks, man. I, I sometimes like, is that a cool band name? I guess it's cool because it's like two syllables and it's like, wow, how is that not taken kind of thing? Sure. Uh, but yeah, we got it, man. So thank you for saying that. It, it that quells any insecurities I have about our band name. I think yeah. it, it kind of fits us, you know. If yeah, you get to know us, it kind of fits us. So. You could Google it. I mean, granted, you weren't worried about Googling, you know, nineteen ninety seven or eight <laughs> or whenever you started the band. When did the when did the band actually start? We started on July eleventh, nineteen ninety seven. Okay, that's a very very specific time yeah. frame. I remember the day we had our first practice because I still have a video of it. We had a, a video. We had our friend uh, had a video camera, and, and it was a very very bad. But we have, <laughs> we have video of it out there. That is really really awesome. So you know now over time the band has. The band's still a band. You're still doing things. It sure is. Sure but is. the world of music in terms of like the industry is certainly not what it was in 1997. Right. <laughs> and I'm curious, you know, what your this is a very broad question that could go any in any number of places. But okay. in one word. Whoa. One word. How would you describe the music scene today? compared to night like the year 2000 we'll give it a, we'll give it a, like from 2000 okay. to 2020 one word i would say innovative okay in that that's you a have good word to be in, in that you have to be innovative and you have to be forward thinking 
in, I mean, always in your music, always write authentic music from your heart. That's, that's the kind of stuff that's like obvious, okay? But you have to be innovative and forward thinking in how you promote yourself and in, um, and, and try to always be ahead of the curve in the way that you put your music out there. You know, we've, we've seen uh, the, the music industry move like Punchline in 2003 signed to a cool record label and had that like experience of having your album in all the record stores. Remember record stores? Yeah. <laughs> Remember those, like the ones <laughs> in the mall and stuff? No, I'm not talking about like, you know, the, the normal ones. So I'm talking about like, you know, the big chain ones that don't exist anymore. But so we had that whole experience of like, the CD thing where you, you actually, your band actually made money because you sold a lot of compact discs in stores and it shows and stuff. But then we quickly saw that move 2006, 2007, you had to be ahead of the curve. And when iTunes came along and that, that became a big thing and we had to make sure that you're on the, the cutting edge of that. And, and then when it completely moved to streaming and then you started to see like, even now, uh, you know, when you started to see, Spotify playlists be more important than radio play, <laughs> you know, yeah. you had to be on the cutting edge of that. And now it's like, not the punchline has necessarily been on like the cutting edge of this, even though we should be, and we probably will be with our next release, but it's like silly things like TikTok and uh, you know, and, and including your music and Instagram stories and, and things like that, where people can take your music and put their own spin on it is be, being yeah. a part of that, you know? And, and I don't know what the next thing's going to be, but I want to make sure that, you know, we don't fall behind, you know, like it's funny, like you still see it, not that we don't still have them, even though it's, it's kind of silly, but you'll see like a band talk about like, Oh, we have our CDs in the back. And I'm just like, why, why do you have, uh, why do you have CDs? No one has CD players anymore. So like, you don't want to become a dinosaur in that way. You know what I mean? You, you have to stay ahead of the curve always. So that's, that's what I, that's what I think of the music, the music industry. I hate calling it an industry, you know, because it's art, but you and I both know that it kind of is. Yeah. I mean, depending on like what level you and your band want to operate on, you know, you don't have to engage in any of the, industry side of things if you want to operate on a smaller scale and arguably most bands are operating on a DIY level even bands that are like the hugest bands in the world some of them are still operating pretty DIY compared to what the industry was 20 years ago these days right you know? and dude dude I think now more than ever for an independent band who wants to be successful and not play that game where you're trying to get signed to a major label which now just seems insane to me that anyone even wants to do that but uh if you don't want to go that route i think the key is just uh developing and nurturing a strong and loyal fan base and luckily in punchline we've been able to do that and uh you know and and through that you can do things like fund your albums and and fund other things you want to do because people want to see you succeed they want to see you keep being a band so sometimes uh you know putting it out there that you know we need your help with this or we need your help with that uh you could see that i mean i'm not saying overdo that but every few years if you want to fund your album or if there's some other project you want to do and you put it out there 
uh, usually those people will come around and make that happen. Yeah. I think that it's really interesting too. You had mentioned before, uh, you know, things such as Instagram stories and TikTok and just trying to understand as a creator of music how people are digesting and sharing music with the world now. It's not, it's like, I don't do these things. So I don't always feel inclined to participate because I don't do it. But I need to remember like, well, I am not the people that are engaging with my music and trying to put yourself in the shoes of the people that are out there and using the internet to spread things around and how you can get your stuff in there. It's like, it's a little bit weirder for me just because, you know, I'm basically a dinosaur these days, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my, I'm in my thirties. Oh boy. You know, I'm getting up there, but you know, I don't You're have like, prime, brother. You're yeah, I don't have the brain of like a TikTok user. So I need to like yeah. try to, Get you know, think about that while I'm you when know promoting who your things. Audience is yeah, too. You know, yeah. man. Like you know who your audience is. I know with Punchline that we're we're always we're always trying to write music that a teenager could like, but also a sixty year old could like. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's always kind of been our thing, which is why, like last year, <laughs> dude, the tours that we did last year, like, were insane from one to the next. We did a less than Jake tour, like a punk rock tour. We did uh, Gin Blossoms which is like 90s alternative. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, then we did Spill Canvas, which is like totally emo tour. You know, like, so we, we've bounced around from not only styles, but also like age ranges and things. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or, or a bad thing. Maybe we should be more zoned in on one or the other. But uh, I, you know, so I don't, I'm not saying it's necessary. Like, I don't think, the Deftones have to worry about like appealing to people on TikTok. <laughs> you know what I sure, mean? But sure. But uh, it, it just it just depends on who you want to go after. And yeah, and, you know. It, it, I think it's like I think yeah. I was gonna say I think it's like it's a little bit more complicated when you're like trying to establish that fan base, right? And it's easy to get distracted because like say somebody like me. Well, I hit that. Say somebody like me and maybe. Uh, you know, Grey Walker, my metal band, right? right. Say uh, we decide we're going to start putting stuff on TikTok. We're going to make goofy little videos, right? Like, because right. just because we're trying to get uh, more people to know about what we're doing. But it's like ultimately you end up investing all of this time potentially into a market of people because like our, the Grey Walker fan base is probably not on TikTok at all. So it's like one of the, but it's like, also we're like really trying to find new fans. So it's like, you know, it makes sense to like "Eh, put your stuff everywhere, but then, well, maybe not that, but like, are you dumb for not trying? And are we dumb for assuming? Because it's like going back to your comment about like, why would bands have CDs for sale in the back of a venue? We play shows with, you know, to a little bit of an older fan base and metal people still buy CDs. Like we sell a shit ton of CDs. Really? Okay. I wasn't talking shit. Punchline still has CDs on uh, of certain albums too. Mainly mainly because we've had boxes of them in the basement for all this time. But like, yeah, that's, that's surprising. Yeah, I I didn't think you were talking shit. I was actually going to ask, you know, based on some of those tours that you had mentioned, did you notice like higher CD sales on like a gin blossoms tour? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, in the lesson Jake tour, people want vinyl, you know, like, like, and, and yeah, gin blossoms, you're going to sell CDs. And it's funny because I think we only had like one of our out, like our newest album. We had like 
you know, a couple hundred of it on CDs. And I think we ran out of them at some point and people kept act- asking us for CDs. Like, do you guys have CDs for sale? And we're like, well, yeah. album stream, it's it's on all the streaming sites. And, those, <laughs> you know, a lot of the people at those shows yeah, they're didn't like, use what? the streaming sites. Yeah. And, and uh, but, you know, another thing, man, that's crazy. This is getting a little bit off subject, but I always bring this up. Do you know what the number one place people listen to music is in the world? I do not know. YouTube. Okay. Yeah, that makes Which, sense. No, it doesn't. It's a fucking video site. <laughs> so it doesn't make sense to me, but I guess just everybody has YouTube already on their phone well, and whatever. I just, I just, when I learned that they're like 50% of all music streams are on YouTube, I was like, what? You know, and it's like, maybe I think Spotify was like 20% or something and whatever. But like, I was just really you know, shocked by that, but I guess it makes sense. You know, I think Uh, it makes sense now, given how much time people spend on their phones and how much more important the visual aspects of everything is now, even with music. So I think people like actually seeing the videos, seeing what the people look like or watching a lyric video, like they need, like everybody needs to be way more stimulated than ever before to be entertained. It's true, man. And I know that you know that. I mean, when, when you know, when I saw Sykes and the New Violence play, it's so, it's so awesome that you guys use that visual element. Like, that yeah. is, that's so cool. And and that you realize that. And, you know, in, in Punchline, we've started to realize that, like, oh, if we could, you know, if we could afford to, we'd have a lighting guy out with us. Or, you know, we really want to bring that part to the to the next level of where it can be, because it is it is important. You're right. Like people expect more than just, you know, more than just four people on a stage playing songs. They, they expect more of a show in, in 2020 and, you know, the big money acts can provide that. If you go see whoever, go see Bruno Mars or Beyonce or somebody, and they put on this giant spectacular show, you know, then you'll see the bigger rock bands follow suit yeah. with that. And it's hard to, keep up with that as smaller bands. And I really respect the fact that you put that effort in, man. That's really, really cool. I appreciate you acknowledging it. Uh, It's, it's only getting bigger. I cannot wait until we're able to play some shows again. Cause I have been spending my time in hiding, doing way too many unnecessary things. So it'll be fun, but uh, it's not unnecessary, man. It's not unnecessary. That's, that's something I wanted to say to you too, is like, I feel like you and I are probably in the same boat where sometimes we're doing so many different things that you like spreading yourself thin in a way. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I think that one thing I would say if, you know, cause okay, punchlines an established band, but my other two bands are not established bands. So I'm always thinking of like, how can you establish yourself, you know? And, and, you know, and, and you can't assume either, just because like the band I play in pack, it's like, okay, I'm in punchline. Our guitarist, Josh is from Juliana theory. Other guitarist, uh, Scott is from Zayo. We have people, it's like people from known bands, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to care about your other band. Oh, sure. Uh, you, sure. you find that out real quick. So it's like, how do you establish yourselves? And yeah. I think that like, obviously songs and recording is very important, but other than that, it's like maybe, you know, putting the effort into a great music video or some great piece of content uh, and not just going through the motions that everyone goes through, you know, like, 
hey, check out our song on this thing. And the, the same thing you're seeing every band do is to step outside of the box and try to do something a little bit different. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so strange because I agree 100% that it definitely comes down to the song. The song has to be yeah. good. Right. But there are some bands that like, their like branding and their name recognition can even transcend good songwriting. Like cough, I know, man. Fallout Boy, you know, like so. It's like oh, you know, hey. <laughs> I'll and throw it out there. If you want to get into them, yeah. we could get into well, them. Well, I, I mean, I totally understand why. I totally understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, and I get it. And technically, they're still great songwriters. But you know, even when uh, Patrick Stump was doing solo stuff, you feel like that name should have carried post Fallout Boy, but it right. didn't. So I just right. feel like he was like, well, I'm still just going to do the same kind of stuff, but call it fallout boy again and stop calling it myself. And now right, we'll sell right. stuff, you know? Uh, and then and you, dude, you see it, you see it so much, like, especially in like punk rock, I've seen it so much that bands, these bands that, is, that reach this level that you or I would be like, Oh, Holy shit. I'm never going to stop doing this. And then they break up for a few years. And then you'll see like, Oh, the singer is doing a solo thing. And the other guys started another band. And then, you know, a year or two later, it's like all these guys are running out of money. Get the band back yeah. together and, yeah. and, and bank, you know? Yeah. It's, the Gerard way when he did his solo stuff, like that was actually a really cool album, but I don't feel like it blew up all that well. But then, you know, my chemical romance can announce they're getting back together and, you know, they yeah. sell out, you know, every show in like two minutes. Hey, that, that's, that's, they're, it's awesome, they're, a great, they're a great band, but they also just like you were saying, I think you're alluding to this, that name, exactly. that band name, that band name, you could have put that band name on a t-shirt and kids would have wanted to buy that t-shirt just for the name. You know what I mean? So there's, there are, that there are things like brands and stuff that will transcend. Luckily for them, the music was still good, but mm -hmm. there are some where it's not quite the case. They have it's, this like name that you could put on a t-shirt at some store in the mall. And, and that name is just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Brand, yeah it's, it's music. like, you know, uh, at, I don't know. I could, I could, there's so many examples I could keep. Yeah, let's not drag I could keep, people. I could, let's I, not drag Yeah, it's people. not really trying to drag up people. I'm just, yeah. I'm just making ob observations. Mm -hmm. That's really more of what I'm doing. But yeah. speaking of <laughs> the mall and being at the mall, I have a memory tied to Punchline nice. and the mall Ooh. and what you were talking about earlier, just about like, you know, being innovative and finding ways to get yourselves out there. So for me, my... Most fond memory of Punchline <laughs> is the fact that I was at Monroeville Mall a long time ago, maybe the nice. year, you know, 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. And I don't know who it was from your band. It may have even been you, but there was a couple <laughs> of you guys walking around the mall, like handing out flyers and telling people about shows and just being like very proactive. And while the kind of music that you guys made wasn't anything that I was into at the time, I was like more, I was... Try, I was starting to do music and had a little band and I was like, wow, like what a cool idea. And I always had like this immense amount of respect from like back nice. then, like even like, you know, every time I think about like doing like the cold call sort of thing, like going out, just handing flyers to people or doing whatever. I always like, well, if punchline could have done it 20 years ago, we should still be doing it now. The, the art of passing out flyers and dude, we <laughs> back what helped us a lot was to be able to get to the next level and tour and sign a record label and do all that kind of stuff was a strong Pittsburgh base. 
And that is 100% because we went out, we took the, the, the CD disc man around with headphones, sold CDs for $5, either in line at work tour or at a show or at the mall. Yeah. And, um, and luckily, you know, people would buy it and people would come to our shows. And we got to a point in Pittsburgh where that, that on top of, okay, this is a controversial type thing among people. But like, here's the fact of the matter is that Punchline would get offered opening slots for bands, whether it was the Get Up Kids or uh, whoever was coming through Pittsburgh. We would get offered those slots because we would take physical tickets, sometimes a hundred of them. Sure. And we would, and we would go sell those tickets and we would bring the money. Like, why wouldn't the promoter want to put us on a show? We're literally selling tickets and bringing cash because, because we would either, it was either A, people that wanted to go to the show anyway, or B, people that were coming to the show to see us. And so I, I've heard people bitch and whine about not wanting to do that, but we did that. And because we did that for 20 shows, then we got to the point where at places like Club Log in Pittsburgh, we could sell it out and, and we could make money. And then we could use that money to buy a van and we could use that money to afford to tour and, and all these kind of things. So like, I, I've always, you know, you'll hear people complain about like, that's like pay to play or something like that. But we weren't afraid to like put that legwork in, talk to people. I feel like maybe that's a little bit of a problem now is like, everybody's on the internet and it communicates on the internet and you don't have as much of that like face-to-face personal interaction. I know that sure I'm guilty of it now, (laughs) but like when our band was first starting, we definitely weren't, you know, maybe the internet wasn't as, as much of a, as big of a tool. We used it. We definitely had a website right from the, we definitely had an angel fire website, (laughs) but uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I think that's important. And I think that like, you know, going to shows is important. Going to see your, your friends' bands and making friends that way uh, is important. And, you know, I live out in, I feel bad. I don't go to enough Pittsburgh shows. I live in Greensburg and I know it's only like a 40 minute drive or something, but like a lot of times I want to go see more Pittsburgh bands. And I, and once this pandemic is over, man, I'm going to make that vow that I, I want to go to at least, <laughs> at least a show a week because yeah. that way it gives me an excuse to also like, go visit my friends in Pittsburgh and, you know, have something to do. I feel like I, I want to go to a lot more shows too, after being cooped up for this long. Yeah. So, I feel uh, like it's, it's, it's like really easy to get disconnected from anything, especially the older you get and you're taking care of other responsibilities. Right. And I totally get it. You know, you know, I live 10 minutes from every venue, but I still have a hard time always getting out to see my friends like as much as I should and as much as I could, but with just everything else I've, I mean, I have three bands and my podcast and full-time job and, you know, right. relationship and friends and family, just like all of those things are very like, you know, you can't, I can't like, I don't know, it just doesn't work out, but yeah, it, it's hard sometimes. But what I was going to comment on was your whole thing talking about the tickets and whatnot. And I am very much on board with you in regards to this whole situation. I think when I was maybe a little younger, I didn't quite get it in as maybe it maybe rubbed me the wrong way. You know, sometimes like, oh, I don't want to do this, but then it kind of clicked in my head. Well, like, you know, who the hell do I think I am one? And then two, 
you know, the more work that I started putting into things and the more seriously I really started taking everything, thinking about this is more of like a business and just like wanting to do good and expand and grow. I started, you know, realizing that these like ticket things are actually great opportunities for new bands and bands that are establishing themselves to make new fans, to learn responsibility, to learn time management, to learn, you know, just like how to be more professional. And it's not that difficult. I think if you are able to establish a fan base, you pick a show that makes sense. Again, knowing your audience, you know, you can, it's like, okay. uh, Like for example, Gray Walker, we played a show with August Burns Red at the Rex Theater. You know, they asked us to play because our bands sound very similar and everybody that we know likes August Burns Red. And people that like August Burns Red that don't know us might like us, so we should really play this show. And we have enough friends to play this show, so we we sell the tickets. It's not like it's a hassle for us to do it. And then, you know, you make a little bit of money off of that, too, which is cool. And you make new fans, and it's a good thing. It's like, like there's no negative other than you have to spend more time promoting your band. Like, is that a negative thing? I I guess, I guess the (laughs) argument would be like, oh, it should just be like, oh, you put the effort into the music and that's all it should be. Then you should be asked to play this show. But like, uh, okay, that that's fine. If your, if your music is so good that just, it's just so overwhelmingly good. You don't even, then you don't even have to worry about opening for anybody. You can just go play a show and people will show up, I guess. Yeah. 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 doesn't usually work that way, no matter how good your music yeah, is. Yeah, you, have to, you have to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, but, you know, it, it comes down to sort of a, you know, a survival of the, the fittest, I suppose, in terms of that whole mentality. Some people get it, some people don't. And it's like trying to like, tell somebody that like an album is really good, that they don't agree with you, or, you know, like you explain to them, like, this is why you know, pineapple on pizza is the best thing, or this is why, you know, whatever. Some people that if they just don't agree with something, there's nothing you could do to convince them. You just have to wait for like a light bulb to go off in their head. So I don't argue against it when people bring it up. I think I'm just like, whatever, like good luck. I I just, good luck and Godspeed with all of your (laughs) adventures. Yeah. Don't do it then, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. And uh, I, I, you know, we'll see. We'll see whose method works. Out. I will. I will take. I will gladly take advantage of every opportunity that you don't want. Thank you. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I think that's that's all. All you can do, man, is like you know what? What's that saying? Like success is where where preparation meets luck or something or okay, opportunity yeah. or whatever or something like that. And uh, and I think that's true, man. That's 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 what I've I've learned along the way, and I know that. In punchline, you know, we've we've had our it's been a roller coaster ride of peaks and valleys and things like that. But I I the one thing I can always pride myself on, two things would be that we write music that means something to us and that we work hard. That's all there is to it. <laughs> you know, if we didn't have those two things, we wouldn't be a band for all these years. So totally. I and I think that it's kind of interesting because you know, you mentioned peaks and valleys and I think a lot of it, you know, does, how much of it do you think has to do with the band and how much of it do you think just has to do with like the peaks and valleys that that genre of music in general has gone through over the past two decades? Um, well, our, our thing was, pro- I mean, yeah, the peaks and valleys of the genre uh, may have 
something to do with it. But the fact of the matter is that like the style of music that we're in, whether it's like punk mixed with pop and rock, whatever, it's been popular the entire time. From, you know, from Green Day, that Green Day and Rancid that got me into the style of music to the, the bands of now, like it's always been a popular form of music. That's it's, true. It's, it's rock music, you know? So like, I, I can't blame anything on that. For us, it's it's mainly just been s- some personal things with, within mm-hmm. the, the band and uh, and some things like, sometimes that were out of our control, whether it was dealing with like leaving record labels or, you know, deciding like, you know, you, you have the music a lot of times decides it too, you know, like, and having a plan, man, having a plan is the most important thing in the world. And I think that punchline a lot of times have been just existing on, on our heels at all times. And looking back, there were things that if we'd have had a little bit more of a plan, that maybe it would have been a little bit better. I think our plan for a decade straight from like 2002 to like 2012 definitely was just tour as much as possible and just <laughs> things will happen. And the fact of the matter is that you also need to have some things going on on the back end. You know, you need to have like uh, it, it just, just touring alone without some, some planning isn't necessarily the best plan <laughs> sure. you know like you, you could maybe skip a tour here and there and use that time to do things like make music videos and and uh you know you know do, do press and things like that but i think we were under the mentality of like oh all these bands we love all they do is tour but those bands probably had plans <laughs> and we didn't have so much of mm-hmm. that you know it was just we just thought tour 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 yeah you know, you know for a band like punchline how much like what does like the punchline team outside of the musicians look like? Do you have like people that are helping you organize things or is it more of like a, just a collective unit of you guys really still trying to figure it out? Uh, we have a man, uh, a manager who is very involved both, you know, on, on like a bigger, in a bigger way, but also comes on tour with us. Uh, his name's Jim. He's great. He's, he's like a member of the band. Um, and, you know, over the years it's changed, you know, when we were, uh, on Fuel by Ramen, we had like a big team of people that are all different departments. And then we also had a, you know, we had a, a booking agent that we, you know, we were with different booking agencies that were like big booking agencies yeah. and things like that. So it just depended on like the time of our band. Now we're pretty compact. You know, it, it's the band and our, our manager. And then anybody that is not us will be people that we will like, we'll hire a publicist for a few months or we'll, you know, and dude, the thing that it takes a long time to learn though, it, it, but I think we've learned is that if you want someone to care and really put their all into you or your band or whatever, they got to have some sort of vested interest. Yeah. People aren't going to, people aren't going to do things just out. They might hook you up with a show or something to be nice, but I'm saying like, if you want somebody to really go above and beyond they have to have vested interest in what you're doing, you know? And I feel like maybe we didn't do that enough. I know that I learned, uh, I learned recently, like how some of these bands like Blink-182 and and things like that got huge. And there were things I didn't know. It was things, it was like, oh, all of these people, Kevin Lyman, uh, people at K-Rock, people at like, all these people had a stake in the band. And that's why the band, <laughs> that's why the band got so big. And, yeah. uh, and, and, 
you know, I didn't know those sort of things, you know, I wish somebody would have told me those sort of things, <laughs> uh, but it's just things you learn along the way. Man. Yeah. It's always so interesting whenever I have people on the show that are in the hip hop community, Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, your average, you know, punk, rock, metal band these days, you got, you know, three, four, five people, and then maybe like one manager, maybe one booking person. It's like a pretty small team. Right. So many rappers that I have on the show, even people that are like local, they'll have like, they got a manager, they have a publicist, they have, you know, like somebody that does all their fashion stuff. They have a social media person. They have somebody following them around with a video all the time, getting like camera and pictures and all that. It's like these huge teams, even for like the smallest people, it's like so common. It's like, if you're not doing that and thinking about those things in that world, like you're not, you're not doing it because like that, they're not even concerned with touring or even necessarily like releasing music unless there's a music video attached to it or releasing music unless it's something that can be part of a social media thing. It's so interesting. And I feel like a big part of the reason why that's the biggest music in the world right now is because like there, that demographic understands from a promotional aspect, like what people want and how they want to digest content. It's really interesting. It's smart. I mean, it's something that that you and I or anybody can really learn from, you know, I would like to take more of a page out of that book. And I do think, you know, having someone every step of the way with a video camera, that's important, man. It's and crazy. I know you know yeah. all about video cameras. It's, it's, it's important because you could do something and, and do it in front of 50 people. You could have the greatest show of your life and it could be in front of 30 people. You know what I mean? You and I <laughs> can both do that, but if someone has it on video and captures that and puts it out there, who's to say that a million people couldn't see that great performance? So it, it is, you know, whether it's a performance or it could be a performance at your practice space that's just so great. Uh, so I, I think that that's, you know, it's it's smart. It's smart to have that team of people. And, uh, you know, I like to learn that sort of thing. You know, I, I'll, I'll take whatever knowledge I can get from yeah. any any different uh, world of music. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I spent so long just focusing on like, I just want to make cool songs and do cool art. Like that's really it. I had no interest in trying to be a publicist or be my own promoter. Like I've had to learn how to do these things and I still have no real interest in it. I would rather just, you know, be working on the creative stuff, but we have it's to wear crazy, so many hats. If you want, yeah, if you want to be successful, and it de- de- determines how it de- depends on what you de- define success as. To me, sure. To me, to me, success is being ma- doing well enough with music to continue making music, and I guess that that's it. Like to to get to a point where that's all you have to do is make music. Sure. And that, that is success to me, not necessarily having a mansion or like a big pool or something. I mean, that would just be to, to be able to afford to keep just making music is success to me. And if you want to do that, yeah, you got to wear, you got to be a publicist. You got to be a, a spoke. Yeah. You got to be the spokesman. You got to be a merch designer. You got to be a, uh, you got to be a web designer. You got to mm-hmm. be a social media person. You got to be a video editor. You got to be a producer. You got to be like, you got to, I mean, that's just the, the, the tip of the iceberg. You got to be all these things that maybe you didn't sign up for, 
but you learn along the way that no one is going to work harder for you than you. Yeah. You know, so. And I think that like, that's a big part of the reason why, like I'm always doing so much, like just kind of like weird side little things like those videos and album reviews and things like that. It's like, okay, well I, you know, nobody's particularly asking for this, but this is experience with, uh, working the camera. This is experience with lighting and recording audio and editing and uploading and promoting things, testing things with the algorithms and seeing how the videos are doing. Like just so, you know, I have that experience. So whenever we actually release a music video or some big thing that I want to be like a huge thing, it's like, okay, well now I understand how these things work a little bit better because I've been uploading three videos a week for the past six months. And that, and dude, that's another thing you got to be. You got to be an algorithm expert. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, dudes and bands, we're, we're, we're all algorithm experts now. Uh, but you you know, and yeah, man, that, that's 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 seriously all important things, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I think what's great about what you do and what what I what I've seen results from from what I do too is that when you do things like podcasts and make video and make content, that you that people feel because I know I feel the same way when I listen to a podcast of somebody. I feel like I know Dax Shepard better. I feel like I know Dan Harmon better. I feel like I know these people and you feel more of a closeness to them and you're more inclined to go see them play. You know, I know I would. uh, And it's just people get to know you and, and, and get to know who you are more than just from releasing songs every now and again, you know? And that's not for everybody, man. And I, I had this conversation uh, with, you know, I said I do that Krista makes a podcast with the singer of Less Than Jake, but I've had conversations with him where he's a he's a very outgoing guy and very much a front man. But there are people that are front men, the front men or front women of bands who aren't necessarily, maybe they're just good songwriters or, or good at music, but they're not necessarily a very outgoing person. Oh, totally. That, and then they come off as an asshole and maybe, and, and maybe they're not, maybe they're just shy. Maybe mm-hmm. they're just a person who just wants to make music, but yeah, but, but if you're not that person, you're not that, that like spokesperson for your band at all times, then you come off weird, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and it might not be that way. Some people just don't want to do the rest of the things and that's not necessarily a terrible thing. Yeah, no, it's not uncommon for an artist to come from an introverted background yeah. by any means. And that's my story. And I've, I've said this a thousand times before, but the whole reason I started this podcast was because I felt, I just felt like I sucked at talking to people and I wanted to be better at it. Like I was on somebody else's podcast and I listened to it and I was like, man, like I'm confident in my ability to write a song and, you know, make a cool piece of art, but I am terrible at talking to people and the whole world is talking to people these days, especially on the internet. I got to get better at this. So I just recorded like five podcasts with my friends and haven't stopped. Yeah, you and you're great at it, man. Thank you. It's just you're putting your hours in, man. You got yeah. your ten thousand hours of talking, and you're yeah. you're, uh, you're you're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm working on it. I'm glad that we started getting into the podcast stuff because I wanted to transition to that. So a natural segue. How beautiful. Yeah. Podcasting. What made you decide to just want to get into this? Because you started doing it pre-pandemic, so it wasn't the pandemic that 
encouraged dude, it, which has been dude. a big thing for a lot of people. <laughs> but I've been uh, <laughs> podcasting since the birth of podcasting. Yeah. Um, I when when I first learned what a podcast was, and it was, you know, Punchline was now releasing music on iTunes and stuff. I did a thing, I did like 30 episodes of what was when we were on tour, it was the Punchline White Van podcast. Okay. It only, you know, at the time it only came up on iTunes and it was a big deal to like even get it to come up on the search on there. It was so confusing to even figure out how to get it to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, I just had this like Dell laptop and I think, I think we just recorded straight into like the, the, uh, you know, the the the, onboard mic. Yeah. The internal mic. Yeah. And just while we had long drives, just did podcasts in the van. So I did like 30 of those. And that was like my first experience of that. And we'd post them on like the punchline, MySpace and things like that. <laughs> cool. Um, didn't do one for, for a while. And then I did like 90, close to 90 episodes, me and Steve from my band, his brother, Mike Sabosley. We had an episode, we had a podcast called men in their thirties only. And uh, <laughs> it was just a podcast about how awesome it is to be in your thirties. And it's still out there. You can still, we still, Actually, during the pandemic, we did a couple episodes, even though we used to do like do it weekly. Yeah. And he, he just <laughs> it was it's really funny if you go back to like the earlier episodes. It was so fun because he would just put it all out there. He would put it just among our friends and stuff. He would just like be like, yeah, I started talking to this girl, but you know, our other friend is talking to her, but he doesn't know that I'm also like, he would, like, put, his, like, he would put his personal business out there. People would get pissed off. That's and, really funny. But then we also built up like a, you know, we were getting like thousands of plays per episode. And uh, so we did that for years and years. And that was like how I really got into podcasting. It's still out there. I still pay the hundred bucks a year to Podbean to keep it out there. It's called <laughs> Men in Their 30s Only. It's it's a fun podcast to listen to if you're looking for something, uh, even though we haven't done it recently. And then, you know, we, we kind of faded away from doing that in the past like year or two or whatever. And then, uh, my buddy, Matt Kelly, who produces a ton of podcasts on this network called, uh, Geekscape. Uh, he, he most notably does a, a podcast called horror movie night, which is like a pretty popular horror movie podcast. And he hit me up and said, hey, would you host this podcast? I have this idea to do a podcast about one-hit wonders. And I was like, eh, sure, why not? You know, he's like, he wants to edit it. He wants to, you know, do everything. I just, he just wants me to host it. And I, and I said, sure. So we made like the Facebook group for it. And then it was just like nonstop. People were posting in this. They were excited to talk about like one hit. I didn't think that people would care that much about one hit wonders, yeah. uh, but like people were just all about it. And in the group, the Facebook group itself made it like exciting to like start making these episodes. So we're, we're like 20 some episodes into that. That's been a lot of fun. And then, um, yeah, and then I started uh, producing a podcast for, like I said, the guy from less than Jake, and it's been really great because he obviously has connections to everybody like we just found out that uh dickie barrett's going to come on and talk about the impression that i get i'm like dude that's fucking awesome he's like okay and then he also said he can get tim armstrong to come on i'm like dude fuck yeah like it's just even the episodes we've already had out uh but i will, will say that i've been pulling strings and getting pittsburgh artists on like I, we oh, had, cool. well chris number two was on it yeah. he would have been on it regardless but i got sierra sellers coming up oh nice uh, which, I, which i thought was really cool i'm like we gotta have we can't it can't just all be punk rock and it also, 
you know, because I'm from Pittsburgh, we got to get Pittsburgh artists on this every once in a while. So, yeah. uh, Try, trying to like uh, get Pittsburgh some a little bit of extra love since I'm producing it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and and uh, so, um, yeah, man, I think podcasting is awesome. I mean, all it is is internet radio shows and, and that anyone can do with a mic. And if you put the effort into, like you do, and, and I do it too, into the production of it a little bit and, and have it be a little bit more than just turning on a mic and just going, you know? Uh, it's nice. Have a little theme song, have an intro, have some music uh, involved in it and just put that little bit of extra effort in. And I think it goes a long way, you know? Um, but I do think it's cool that anyone can do one, you know? And yeah. then it's, just a, it's just a matter of having a concept and, and, and set and talking about the right things that to make it interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. I've, I've been finding that it's the less that you think about it, the better it does. Cause I don't think like people that are going to tune into podcasts, I feel like they just want like a really simple concept with like some hint of nostalgia or like you mentioned earlier, relatability. So it's just right. like, you know, Hey, you know, this is, this is a show for people that make music and feel like, right. you know, we, we don't get to have these conversations enough. You know, this is like, always the, the conversations that I would like to have at shows, but it's literally impossible to have at shows, you know? Yeah, man, I I've watched, you know, I've watched uh, several of your episodes and I've seen you talk about it before, but it's like, I, I think this is, this is something I noticed even before seeing you talk about it. It's like when you put a microphone between two people, you're forced to have a conversation, which turns into a really good conversation. Like, you know, would you and I be having this hour long conversation with each other? That's like, actually a really good conversation and <laughs> sure. uh, it, it just a show. No, we might say what's up to each other and maybe talk about one or two things, but put a mic between two people yeah. and you know, uh, you don't know what's going to come from that. And then you get to know somebody a lot better and you actually become friends. Yeah. <laughs> you it's know, pretty you, wild. You, you move, you move from that acquaintance stage to, Oh, actually, you know, when I see you somewhere next time, I'm going to, I know you a lot better now because we talked for an hour. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. This is way longer than we've ever talked to each other. So I, I think that's pretty cool. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the other cool thing too, is just like being able to like find a way to use this modern technology that is, you know, distancing us and making us feel so, so much further apart in so many ways. There's like things like podcasting that I think can bring people even closer together than ever before. And it's really cool to use the technology and these tools to take advantage of that. Oh yeah, man. You know, and like, it's cool that we, you know, I know you've, I should have came down and done this in person. It's all good. (laughs) I I still was like, uh, when you, when you asked me, I'm like, I don't know. It's still, it's still the pandemic or whatever. I could throw a mask on and, and, and come down, but I'm still, I, I, I'm, I'm still being careful, you know, yeah. which we all should be. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I guess, uh, and part of it is that I, that I'm in Greensburg and I was like, okay, well, you know, as we both know, we're, we're both busy dudes with our, all our projects spread thin. So this just, it's a little bit more yeah, convenient, but yeah, I'm not, you know. not, it's not a concern. If you're ever, if you're ever down here, we can, we can do another hour sometime. I'm not, I'm nice. not sweating it. You know, there's, nice. there's <laughs> always like so much more stuff that w- we could get into. And oh, I feel yeah. like, you know, we'll probably wrap this up shortly because uh, we yeah. are hitting our hour. Yeah, but, dude, let's but, not, let's not overwhelm anybody. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But before, before we wrap things up, you okay. know, have you done anything? 
in the pandemic quarantine? Have you taken on any new skills or abilities with your free time? New skills? I, I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say new ones, but I've taken time to to uh, refine ones that that I've been working on for a while. Oh no, strike that. I've been playing drums. Oh, I have, wow. I, I have, I, you probably you can't see it. <laughs> I, when the pandemic started, I moved everything into my living room. So uh, right now I'm in my living room, my IMAX here, my studio speakers, my interface, uh, my guitars and behind me, behind this couch are drums. And I've never been good at drums. And I'm like, there's no excuse for me not to be good at drums. I'm a bass player. I have rhythm. And so now I've been trying to play drums every day. I can't, I feel like with drums, do you play drums at all? I, eh, I mean, eh. I, I could, I could sit behind a kit and keep a beat, but I'm not going to right. impress anybody. I'll tell you that. You, oh, I'm not either. <laughs> or, it's or like the equivalent ever. of picking up a guitar and playing like smells like teen spirit. You know, that, right, that's probably right. the extent of my drumming. But, but the problem with drums is I always plateau. I always get to a point where like, I can't get better, but I've been trying to just, just playing along to albums and, and just, uh, and just trying to get better. And I'm just playing kick, snare, and hat. That's it. I'm not even bringing the toms into the mm -hmm. equation. I'm like, I want to get good with these drums, uh, with, with these these pieces alone, and then add a tom. <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, so that has been one thing that I've been trying to get better at. Otherwise, it's been like all these other things. I'm, I'm you know, trying to get better at producing podcasts and I'm trying to get better, you know, just in general with my equipment and, and things like that. And, uh, always, always working on things just like you are. And, uh, but yeah, if I had to pick one thing, great drums. That's a great answer. I'll take it. <laughs> so with all that being said, I'm going to do my outro and then we'll cool. just, we'll tie a bow on this. And I just hit this thing. Ow. <laughs> I'm going to tie a bow on this. And we'll pick it back up some other time in person. A part two yep. coming soon. All right. Oh, yeah, man. Cool. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. One more time. Chris, thank you for being here. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2020. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And we're done. That's it. That's a That's podcast. <laughs> another another hour, another hour of our lives dedicated nice. to, to tape. And that's it. We're done. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks for